name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen, and good morning to each of you. This story that we uh, hear every year at uh, this time, the um, on this fourth Sunday of Lent, speaks of, uh, doesn't use the word possession, you know, demon possession, but that's how we popularly refer to it, I think. St. Nikolai uh, opens his commentary on this, says that from the beginning of the world, from the beginning of time, all peoples have believed that the spiritual world exists and that invisible spirits are real, and then he goes on to say that almost invariably they think from generation to generation that the evil spirits are more powerful than the good spirits. It just seems to always be the case. Um, I think in our day and time, um, we're really no different, you know. I think... um, Whenever I hear this gospel lesson, I think back on this uh, movie that came out in the, I don't know, the early, mid-70s, called The Exorcist. Remember The Exorcist? You know, you know, turning the head, green vomit, levitating on the ceiling, all of this, you know, horrible, horrible stuff. We say, um, though in uh, that there are, are three different ways of being, uh, maybe a better term would be demonized than demon-possessed. Um, we say in a prayer of exorcism at the beginning of baptism, uh, uh, we rebuke the devils <clears throat> in the name of the Lord, saying, do not influence them, or hide in them, or meet them. Don't influence, or hide, or meet. Um, St. John of Damascus teaches us that the devils cannot overtake us except by the permission of our will. And even in the case of a a small child, or a boy, you know, this was a a young person, not, not without our, our will. Do you think a young, a young child can, by their will, uh, uh, allow demonic influence? The answer is yes. We are all... The, the, the devil doesn't play fair. He doesn't play fair. The devil cheats, lies kills, does anything he can, but one thing he doesn't do for sure, he doesn't play fair. And St. John of Damascus teaches us that, that, that the, the nature, the nature of, of, of demons and the nature of human beings cannot mix. They do not mix. So, to influence to hide, to meet. We can all, um, I think, relate to one degree or another how, 
how the evil spirits influence us by, the, you know, uh, entertaining thoughts, introducing thoughts to uh, think bad things, say bad things, do bad things, and in this case to, to hide in the boy um, you remember in the Gadarene demoniac, there were over 2,000 hiding in him, over, overpowering him, convulsing him. But you know what the worst is? To meet. We think the worst is to hide. The worst is to meet. And I'll, I, I'll explain why. What was the worst meeting that ever happened between a human being and an angel? The devil and Eve, right? <laughs> that brought down the whole human race. Brought down the whole human race. So to meet, to see, to meet, to have a meeting, that's, that's the most dreaded. But if we believe these things... We believe that these demons, these evil spirits are active. Do we believe that the angels of God are also active? Do we believe in the angels of God? Do we believe in the good angels? Well, if the bad angels, if the demons can, can influence us and hide in us and meet us, can the good angels influence us and hide in us so to speak giving us power to do good to accomplish extraordinary things and even to meet the angel Gabriel met the second Eve the Virgin Mary bringing about the salvation one meeting brought about the downfall of mankind the other meeting brought about the salvation of mankind. You ever heard of, you know, somebody in an extraordinary emergency situation, you know, maybe, you know, some boulder falls on somebody or, uh, you know, somebody's stuck or trapped under a car and, and with, uh, you know, some big rush of adrenaline, they're able to do superhuman things and pull this car off, off of this person and save them. We've heard these kind of stories. Was it adrenaline? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Was it an angel? Hiding in that person, giving that person the strength to accomplish an extraordinary thing? Is that possible? You know, that's more possible than, it's, than, than, than to... Uh, have demons hiding in us, convulsing us. Which do we believe more? Which do we believe more? Are we just going to be like everybody else in the history of mankind believing that evil is more powerful than good? We need to believe in this good. We need to believe in the power of the angelic host in our life and their protection. O ye foremost of the heavenly hosts, we though unworthy beg thee that by thy 
petitions thou would encompass us with thine immeasurable glory, thine immaterial glory, preserving us who kneel and cry ceaselessly, deliver us, deliver us. You know, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees attributed Jesus' power to the demons, to the evil. He, he cast out Beelzebub by Beelzebub. Right? They wouldn't, even, they, they, they wouldn't give Jesus a credit. They even thought Jesus' power was from the evil. This father... In this story, the father of this boy comes, and he comes with a very weak faith. Very weak faith. St. Nikolai says, ask, does he come like the leper came to Jesus? Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. No, he didn't come that way. Did he come like Jairus, whose daughter was dead, and say, just come and lay your hand on her and she'll live? No, he didn't come that way to Jesus. Did he come to Jesus like the centurion whose servant was sick and said, speak only the word, just speak the word and my servant will be healed? No, he didn't come like that. Did he come like the woman with the issue of blood who didn't even say a thing? Didn't say one word. She touched the hem of his garment to show her faith. And she was healed. No, he didn't come like that. How did he come? Jesus, if you can do anything, I don't know if you can or not, <laughs> but if you can do anything, could you do something for my son? How weak. He said, I, you know, I sent to the apostles. The apostles, they couldn't do anything. And Jesus said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation. The poor man, he must know very, very little about Christ's power. To speak in this way to him who can do all things. His weak faith even further weakened the apostles' power to help him, weakened the calumnies of the scribes against Christ, and his disciples also contributed to this. It only reveals a pale gleam of faith, very small and barely distinguishable. And so he rebukes this, this weak faith. Oh, perverse generation. Not very politically correct. <laughs> what do you mean, perverse and wicked generation? You're hurting my feelings. You know, I might be psychologically damaged, you know, by, by such a statement. But he was, he was cutting, cutting to the quick. He was cutting to the quick. And so the boy was brought to him. 
the demon was cast out and they thought he was dead at first, but then the, Jesus raised him up. St. Nikolai points out to us how many good things Jesus did all at once. In accordance to his customary way of, act, <laughs> of acting. And you've heard that this, you know, I've, I've quoted these saying, he did this, 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 and this all at one time, all in one stroke. So St. Nikolai says, in, in accordance with his customary way of acting, the Lord wanted to do the most possible good in one action. One good was to restore the health of the lad. But why not others? Why not confirm the faith of the lad's father? What little there was there. There wasn't much. There was a little bit. But what there was, he confirmed it. And why at the same time not a third good to show the power as strongly as possible so that men would believe in him? And why not a fourth good to denounce the unbelief and the corruption and the groveling attitude of men to evil and evil spirits and sin? To confront it. Stop. And why not a fifth or sixth or seventh good all the good things, because one good work always brings forth another and another and another. You know, when I, when I read that, I thought, maybe Jesus invented pay it forward. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? That was a great movie. Wasn't it? Maybe Jesus invented pay it forward. One good builds on another good on another good on another good and so what's the end of the story what's the end of the story here after Jesus does all of this all of this good all at once and heals this wonderful miracle showing his power and his glory and his majesty he gets killed Is it, supposed to, is it supposed to go there? Is that where it's supposed to go? You know, the end of the gospel lesson almost seems like a tag, doesn't it? You know, you got this story and this great ending, and then tag, tag ending. Oh, Jesus is going to go, he's going to be crucified and killed and rise on the third day. The Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill Him, and on the third day, He will rise again. He says this is a teaching, not just to the apostles, but also to us, that after such great works, we must not look for a reward from men, but be prepared for the worst and hardest blows of humiliation, even from those to whom we've been of the greatest help. The greatest help. God 
he says, is absolutely right to send us suffering after we have experienced worldly joy. To send us humiliation after we have received praise. To send us poverty after we have received riches. To send us scorn after we have received adulation. To send us sickness after we have had health. To send us loneliness and isolation after we have had a host of friends. And God knows, maybe we don't know, but God knows why He sends this on us. He knows that it's all for our good. First, that we might learn to seek eternal, unfading values and not be carried off to death by the transitoriness of this world. And secondly, that we shouldn't receive the rewards of our good works and labor from men in this life so that we in the world to come, having nothing more to seek or receive, it may be said at the heavenly gates, go from hence, you've received your payment. Don't we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? (laughs) That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, go, you received your reward. So we save it. You know, when we die, we think it's such a terrible thing. Is it? Is it such a terrible thing to die? How many sons have been brought back to faith in Jesus Christ, staring into the face of their father lying in the casket, dead? and about to be put in the grave. You know, our ministry in this life is not over when we die. It's not over. And we might not see what we want to see in this life. We might not see it. This is all a part of God's plan. This is all a part of His mystery. This is all a part of the plan of salvation. Even in His own life, He suffered and died before He finally saw the final glory. And so we're challenged on this day and next week and in the coming days of Holy Week leading up towards the great and holy Pascha to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Him. May He be with us and strengthen us in these all holy days to come.